Yay, we are live. It's Friday, the 31st of July, the very last day of July, and this is the third Women Leading Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Jo Borman. I am one of the hosts of this show. This book is all about inspiration for women to lead and lead now. We very much are focused on that message. This whole show came about as a result of this amazing book that's behind me called The Women Leading Book. And I am really thrilled to have today two of my fellow authors, in fact, three uh, of my fellow authors on the show today. So I have the wonderful Kim Adele Platz. Good morning, Kim. Hi. Good afternoon. You're right. Hi, are you um, okay? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. Good, brilliant. And Joe Sumner, my fellow author from Up the Road in London. Hi, Jim. Hi, everyone. Hi. Fantastic. We've got our third speaker today is Nish Ranasinghe, who's also in London. Hi, Nish. Hi. It's the wave thing, isn't it? I feel like we have to do the wave. <laughs> and our extra special guest today is here, and uh, also from London, actually. We're fairly London-based today. Grace, good morning, Grace. Afternoon. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Really great to have the five of us here today to talk about this really important and a very topical um, issue, um, which is probably going through a, a different time because people aren't in their offices. They're not dealing with the average uh, situation of corporate environment, but obviously we're talking about progressing in the corporate world for women. What does that mean? Do we need to lean in? Do we not? But before we come on to that, and before we introduce our two guests as well, I'd like to just bring us back to current what's happening right now. And right now, there is uh, a very fascinating film to be released today. Uh, it's about the story of Shankar Devi. She was actually given the title of Indian's Human Computer. So I'm going to let you guys quickly give a chance to look at her. But I think we need more role models. And this woman is one hell of a role model. So I'm to start with a chat on that one. So. Yeah. Yes, I'm, well, I'm excited. I know that the film is coming out shortly. And um, I'm really excited to watch it, actually. She wasn't somebody that um, I knew so much about. And then when you sent the link through, I was just, uh, you know, gobbling it up, finding out so much more about her because that's what we need is, is these um, inspirational women. I love hearing about women in, who've gone first and who've done such different things and her amazing abilities from such a young age. So it was exciting for me because it put a film on my agenda that I wasn't aware of and a person to find out about. So I love that. And the one for me that I, you know, possibly... Um, more political, but the Michelle Obama podcast has just launched as well, which you can find on Spotify, and, and that one's got me really excited. I think she's a powerful role model. You know, I must admit, I, did, I listened to um, Michelle Obama's yesterday as well, and it's a, her, her first one, her intro one, is um, it's a really good and insightful piece into her, a bit about her journey, but also her as a as a person, you know, and um, the journey, the, the, what's important to her and what's, what, what she's learned. And I think, you know, that's what we, that's what we need more of, isn't it? People sharing their actual story, what's, what's happened to them 
isn't overnight success. It's taken a lot of challenge. They've had to push themselves through that fear, that um, concern that they might not be enough, that it might not be right for them. And yet when they do, look what success they have. And I think, you know, more the more stories like that we can learn from, the more confidence we can get collectively to push ourselves through. And I think it also gives, it provides younger women um, so much, you know, a bit of hope that they can be the one. I mean, I've read both the book as well as um, her movie um, in the becoming is on Netflix. And I must say, um, there were a few moments when I read the book that I, that I got quite teary and quite emotional because I thought, oh my goodness, you know, she had to take, what was it, two hours or two and a half hours each way just to get to high school. Um, and then she went all the way to Princeton. Um, and, and, you know, just to go through that as a teenager, you know, I can't imagine a teenager now doing that. I'm sure there are a lot. And, and one day to become the first lady, I mean, for so many of her peers back then, that wasn't even in the realm of possibility. And I think we need a lot of we need more role models like that because there are so many women who think, oh, I could never be like that. Or, you know, I didn't go to the right schools or I didn't go to the, I don't have the right firms in my background or I'm not going to be smart like that. And, and actually you can, um, but it definitely takes a lot of work, a lot of determination, a lot of willpower. I think for me as well, um, role models have played such a huge part in my own journey um, and having people to talk to. And Michelle Obama is, I think everybody is kind of, I mean, she's she's an incredible figure um, in, in our lives today. Um, but there's also a show on Netflix um, called Bringing Down the House. Have you heard of um, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, the lady, the first uh, the female senator, she's very young, I think she's even younger than me. Um, in, from New York, who's managed to make it all the way to the Senate. Um, and she was fantastic. You know, her journey started off with her, who was what um, Grace was saying, um, in you know, the interesting. She was a waitress who just decided to take on uh, politics. And it was having those stories of people who are just super strong and able to overcome their own uh, imposter syndrome, often in the, in the women's sort of world. Um, and say, look, if that person can do it, I can do it too. And um, you know, I know that I face a lot of um, questioning in my own uh, my own abilities. You know, things like again, what they said. You know, have I got the right qualifications? Have I got the right grades? Have I got the right companies with my CV to push me forward? And then it's sort of pushing down those boundaries and saying, well, those barriers that you put in your head, and said, and saying, do what that person can. Um, can achieve so much. I can, if I can with that, then I'm doing pretty well. So yeah, it's really important. And uh, did you say that the um, the the lady that you mentioned the um, the the movie is about a female a role model in India? Is that what it was? Yeah. So she's um, she is has been labelled as the the human Indian Indian human computer. So she actually beats the computer in doing a calculation, a mathematical calculation, um, which was basically a 13-digit number timesing it by each other. And she beat the computer in answering that question by doing it through mental arithmetic. Um, and so she's born, she's from Bangalore, um, and fascinating series. So what, what we've all just mentioned is actually the, 
the upbringing and where you've come from and education. She was basically towing and, and walking around behind her father as a three-year-old. And her father was a cartoonist artist and a magician in the circus. So her education was literally the road with him. And uh, it's fascinating to hear that she has has had this incredible talent and ability just literally from testing and trying and card tricks. So it just because so many people probably hope that just because they haven't necessarily been to the best school or followed through any human education, if you pursue something and stay, stay focused on it, you can get there. You just, you know, and, and also there's, there's that amount of opportunity, isn't there? Not, most of us haven't been by a piece artist art. <laughs> but, you know, it's, um, it's fascinating. But for me, it raises quite an interesting question, which I wonder if it will be um, of relevance to Nish and Grace with what we've invited them to talk about, which is the balance between your talent. So she's doing these calculations as a three-year-old. So there's obviously a gift and she regarded it as a gift from God. So she didn't actually um, visit Russia or China. She wanted to visit places where uh, the idea at that time of a gift from God would be celebrated. Um, but we're talking about the mix of what you're given and then what you do with it through application and the importance of role models in giving you the courage to keep going, to persist, to believe that, you know, the mistakes will be how you learn and improve. So I'm really curious how that will fit into the rest of our conversation today. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that's a really good point. I mean, it's the whole sort of nature nurture um, concept. And and also there, there were quite a lot of studies about, um, you know, career development and what made, you know, how how do successful be people become successful and what are the traits? Is it is it the education? Is it the upbringing? Is it the family? And in my own conclusion, um, I feel that it fundamentally comes down to drive and, and resilience. And what I mean by drive is that, yes, I think in some ways you one is more inclined to be driven, but also if you were brought up in an environment or you have seen that actually to achieve something, you need that drive to keep pushing and to hustle at the end of the day. And I think a lot of the people that I see, because I coach quite a bit um, at London Business School, and these are very, very privileged. A lot of them are very, you know, come from very privileged background. And yes, they have a drive, um, but a lot of them don't. Um, you know, their, their drive comes from, it's motivated because of family or because of expectations. It's not intrinsic in themselves in terms of they really want this for themselves. And then the other thing that I mentioned was the resilience. Um, and again, I think it's about how do you deal with setbacks and failures and challenges? And it's not about avoiding them. It's really about what do you learn from it and how do you move on and pick yourself up from there? And, and again, I see a lot of people, um, they, they don't have that resilience because when they, when they have a setback, it takes them a long time to pick themselves up or, or they don't pick themselves up. Um, and then they sort of go down, 
go down, um, you know, in a, in a less favorable outcome and, and go down a different path. So, yeah, I think it's, it's quite interesting, but I think for me, it's, it's, you know, it's all about, you know, do we, do we educate and, and do we, how, how much intelligence and how much knowledge and how much, how, how, you know, what skills can we learn? And I think the, for me, the most fundamental thing is, is the drive and the resilience. Yeah, thank you, Grace. I, I think you're absolutely right. It's almost like drive and strive. Yeah. I think those two are almost both, both two factors that are needed. Um, so we're going to come to our guest author today, Nish Janasenghi, who is uh, kindly on the show to talk about what her chapter was about. And uh, Nish set up Eleven Consulting, a boutique organisation focused on putting people at the heart of any kind change for the uh, drawing on over 10 years' experience, she's been part of a large-scale organization, um, helping companies implement new technologies. And she, you have taken your expertise across the continent, she's been global, but hopefully she's come back to the UK. Um, I'd like to start with you talking about your chapter, because I love the statement you made in your chapter in the book. So in case you haven't bought it, folks, yet, here's the book. Uh, so your sentence goes to say, from what I've experienced, it's a lack of confidence in going to a male-dominated industry, feeling they couldn't keep up with the intelligence required that stopped women from taking the plunge into technology companies. And I would say, into so many companies and organizations. So perhaps you could just start off, and I know the, the other guys have got some questions for you, but start off just talking about the yeah, um, so I was, first of all, just to say to Chloe, thanks so much for including me in the book, because this is something that I'm really passionate about, um, women in technology. So to talk to your point there, um, so I've worked with, uh, my most recent work has actually been with quite uh, green or new people coming into their careers, they're two to five years. And when I was working um, with these new consultants, I'd often approach them and say, hey, would you want to come and join my technology team? And we're doing this. Like you said, my thinking is around technology change and implementing um, these into large corporations. Um, and often I get the I get the answer. Uh, I'm not really a technologist, but I don't I don't really have the background in technology. And it's just something that would mean. And I've spent a lot of time talking to people about. Having a background in technology didn't necessarily mean that you were good at doing it or not having a background in technology didn't counteract that as well. So there's only, I've got a couple of stats. Um, so there's only 18% of people globally in, in uh, large universities, there's only 2% of females doing computer science degrees. Um, and there's a distinct lack of female in uh, you know, STEM, so science, technology, engineering, maths degrees uh, globally and um, completing that higher education. And what that means is that a lot of the technologies that are innovated end up being built by um, by male-dominated teams, the so invention teams. And so when you've got a technology that's created by a male-dominated team, you end up having an uh, investment into that technology and therefore a very male-dominated industry. And that means that the technologies that are being created today, innovated today, are built for diverse community, but built predominantly by men. Um, and 
so it's about kind of encouraging so for me it was encouraging women to get into technology at the first start um and what that means and that talks a little bit through the role models discussion that we were having previously if, if women can see that people are succeeding in technology then they will um you know inherently feel like it's an area that they can actually um excel in as well and for the generation that i was sort of um working with and my own generation, it means that we need to celebrate really our, our successes as females in technology and gain people the confidence to be able to ask the correct questions, be curious. And, I'm, and more, more than anything, in my chapter, I wanted to express that I'm not a technologist. I've just happened to find myself in the technology industry. I've done a little bit of coding, but I don't enjoy it. But the only thing I do is ask questions. I ask and ask and ask, and I put my try and put my ego aside in these meetings, knowing full well that often people will probably think of me as, you know, lesser intelligence. So try and put all of that aside. To say, just ask the questions and get the information, and then and then you can maybe arm yourself with that for the next for the next meeting that you have. And and to Grace's um, point around resilience and setback. It's then about finding those people within the organisation, and that can be male or female, who will champion you when you're feeling a little bit low, feeling when you come out of meetings that you know you felt that people have looked at you as lesser intelligent, and then saying, and then for them to help support you through that process, and that can be both male and female um, um, role models. So, yeah, that my chapter was really about trying to find your voice and being curious and allowing and uh, enabling really females to gain confidence in their own voices. Fantastic, Nev, sorry. I've just had to do an emergency scoop because I think um, I've got some technical issues with my sound this morning. So I've just had to rush off and get my headphones. Um, so fantastic, I'm not going to Grace. We can come on to you actually now, um, because you've obviously had phenomenal challenges in your industry as well. Um, so let's just create more of a discussion because I think you know you and Nish have a lot, sadly, a lot in common. Yes, um, it's interesting when Nish was mentioned about um, the STEM industries uh, and STEM subjects, um, because I, I started my career in, you know, I studied biochemistry. My first job was um, studying bone development in fetus, uh, in babies. Um, so I was working in a lab uh, in a hospital and, and the boss was a pediatric surgeon. Um, and, and it's so funny because, uh, yes, you're right. And if you, if, you know, the, the number of women in science um, is, 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 you know, they're, they're a minority. And, and now it's probably a bit better. But then as they progress, up the career, whether or not it's STEM industries and, and in any industries, actually, um, by the time women come to, to, to having a family, that's when things start to drop out. Um, and that's where, you know, you have even less people going up the funnel and going up to senior leaders. Um, and it's so sad because, because, you know, this is exactly the area where you want them to sort of become and sort of stay on the ladder, but then and then, but then, you know, through through what we have in society now, and through the unconscious bias, the unwritten rules of what you need to do to stay on in on the ladder and and to compete, you know, most women self-select out 
when they come to that stage. I mean, I, I certainly did myself. Um, and, and I think going forward, the positive thing is that the younger generation today, men and women, you know, they, they have seen from, from their parents and from us and you know, they, the, the men that I coach today, they say, you know, I just had a family. I don't want to have such a job. You know, I want my, I want to be there for my family and I want my wife to continue working. Um, and I think that's just so encouraging. And I think that is going to be even more like that um, in, you know, up for, the, for the younger generations. And I think going back to, to the STEM again, I mean, it's so funny how, how um, the, the unconscious bias in terms of what girls are good at and what subjects they are good at, it starts from such an early age. I mean, my children are in primary school age and, you know, I remember one of, one of the parent-teacher meetings and, and luckily my daughter is, is a little bit more advanced in her math, but she's not quite as fast, but she, so she's put in the group but, and, but then there are all other boys and that's affecting her confidence. And the teacher was saying that actually, you know, girls at this age already feel that you know, they're not supposed to be good at math or they're not supposed to be good in science, which obviously frustrates me given the fact that I came and studied biochemistry and, you know, it's, it's a subject that I'm passionate about. And I think we, need, we still have quite a lot of ways to go to address the unconscious bias even amongst teachers and, and, you know, I'm generalizing it, obviously not all teachers are like, are like that. I've, seen, I've met equally very encouraging teachers and who go out of their way to, to rebalance that bias. But it's, yeah, I think we still have a long way to go on that front. Yeah, and I think hopefully you guys can hear me now. Yeah, we're good. Uh, so again, it comes back to role models and, you know, I've had been a teacher, there are, so many teachers and so many teachers that are in certain areas, but we need more female role models, don't we, in those in the, the areas that we're talking about. Um, and I think I think role models models are very undervalued in the path to equality. Um, but I think we almost need another whole show on role models, to be honest, <laughs> and pick them apart and work out what why role models are needed, but actually what we can all do to make sure that we are encouraging more role models in um, ourselves as well um so i hand over to uh kim i think you've got a question for one of our guests oh i can't hear kim you're on mute lovely sorry Sorry, that's not really helpful, is it? Put myself on mute. Um, so, no, it's been a fascinating conversation um, already, and I think uh, you know, I'd be interested in, in both of you, if that's okay, uh, answers to this question. So, you, both of you have talked a little bit about the need almost to, um, or the benefit that you got from being mentored or supported as, as you kind of went through your journey. Um, do you think that's something that's important for um, women to find the right mentors, the right support to help them? to break through those barriers. I should pick one of you first, shouldn't I? So Nish, I'm gonna ask you first if that's okay. Yeah, no, um, I honestly, I never even thought, I think it's only been sort of in the most recent past that I've been thinking about how much role models have affected me. So I've, in my first two jobs, that's the first sort of 10 years of my career, I only had female managers. And I remember talking to other 
you know, even even them, they said like, oh, I, I really dislike female managers or men in my team saying, yeah, I'm not really sure about female managers, but I have had such positive female role models and female managers who've really taken the time to get to know me, get to understand what my strengths are and really brought that personal element to my my career development really and um i think that having and, and some of the advice that i've given to people that i've managed or even people who have you know come to me asking ask for advice it is always to find people in your you know in your in your teams or in your company that you can look up to and for women it's natural to look for a female role model because they obviously have a bit more in common um, with you in terms of obviously physiologically, but also from the um, adversities that they could have faced. So I think that it's been, I mean, it's been pretty um, fundamental to my own career development that I've had very, very strong female leaders who have, um, uh, who have been able to, uh, again support me when I, whenever I'm lacking in confidence, whenever, you know, uh, uh, a senior male has I don't know um taken me to a client meeting given me some terrible feedback or you know commented on the fact that I stumble over my words or I I'm too um too smiley or too serious or too direct things like that um I've gone to those people to ask for help and have and asked about how to tackle those issues and they've always you know had 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 supported me or had my back is what phrase I was trying to use um so yeah I think it's 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 been fundamental to my career development and I think that that's always advice that I would give to young females who are looking to um, uh, find their way in their corporate careers. Thanks so much. It's great that you've had such um, fascinating and supportive people. Uh, Grace, could I ask you the same, please? Is that okay? Yes, I'm sure. Um, well, unfortunately, I didn't have um, female role models and mentors um, in, in the earlier part of my career. And until recently, um, I, didn't I didn't report to any female managers or line managers actually until recently. And, and it's been a world of a difference because my current manager um, at London Business School, she's, she's, she's very, she's great. And, and you know, she's, she's a very good manager and she, she does it in a very coaching manner as well. And, and also I have, quite a few colleagues as well as people within my network who are very inspirational women and I think um, looking back in terms of what had helped me it was essentially men and women who wanted to take the time to invest in my growth and they were able to be honest with me and give me constructive feedback and that was men and women and I think when I was younger um, I did wish that I had female role models and, and it's, it's almost like, you know, because I didn't see them around, it didn't even occur to me to go, to actively go and seek for one. For me, it was just who, who do I know who, that I can trust and who I can be kind enough, who is kind enough um, to be able to invest in me and to be able to, you know, be honest enough um to me and tell me exactly what i need to do to to change and to, to improve myself Fab, thank you so much and i think i think you're right i think having having mentors whether they're male or female but having those people that are willing and kind enough to, to as you said to invest in you to help you um to take those next steps to to kind of 
help you see around the obstacles because I think that's sometimes the thing, isn't it? We just see the obstacle and we can't see how to we can't see how to get past it. And I think sometimes that is unfortunately when we stop we stop ourselves. We we become our own obstacle because we don't we don't have that person that we can just sound um, soundboard off and find out. You know, if there's an alternate way round, is there is there something that I'm not seeing that I could be doing? Is this something that I'm doing where I get in my own way? Because actually, you know, I'm, I'm showing up in a particular way. And actually, once they share that with you, you can do something about it. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. And the point about, you know, being able to have, you know, that sort of handful of people that you can go to and they, they because they have your interests at heart, they, they actually spend the time and analyze, you know, oh, you could, you could do this better or you could have said this better or, you know, your choice of words and your tone could have been better for that bit. Um, and, you know, this is all from their own time and generosity and, you know, just because they're my friend. <laughs> right. And and I think it's so, I mean, it's so encouraging and, and it's, you know, you feel the love when you have that kind of support. Um, but, you know, like I said, not everyone is lucky enough to have that perhaps at crucial moments in their life. I, I really think it's actually essential and I would say to anyone who's kind of watching this that is considering what's you know just feels like there there's there's places to go and they're not sure how to get there that especially if you're joining a new organization or and or you're trying to look at progression but I think it's important to actually recognize there and then in that very those very first stages of that new position or that new um, uh, wish for wish for more that you need the help to get there um, and I think sometimes we can actually to our detriment be worried about asking for help be worried about like you know you, you definitely define this that you, you know you just recognize you didn't know everything in, in your field and you just asked um, but I think it's really important that we we learn to ask for that role model and learn to recognize very quickly on who you think would help support you um, and it might not be them, it might be someone else, but actually get that support straight away and ask ask for someone to be your kind of your right hand woman. And and it's, you know, I know from like Joe's Joe is with me today, and she's one of my two right hand women. Um, we've got this little little committee that we're, we're our own executive board, um, even though we're not working for the same company. And I think it's it's really imperative, especially especially if you're looking at industries or corporates that are very male-dominated. So for UNIS, UPRACE, I was a police officer. You know, I was the only female on a male group, um, 10 of us on a, on a group. Um, and it was only when I found out, uh, found another female officer that was further down the line to me and I started sharing with her. I really felt like I was being supported in any way, let alone think of progressing. So I think that's actually almost the very first step is to, is to recognize and, and put out your, on your radar for someone that can support you in the right ways. Um, it might just be for five minutes or five months or five years. It doesn't really matter. But I think, you know, I hope, I'm hopeful that more women than ever are supporting each other in that way because I think women are very good at being compassionate and also helping um, what do you say on that, Nish? Did you have someone that was um, specifically in your early days that was saying, you can do this, you know, go for it? Oh, absolutely. My first team that I went into uh, out of university was a female managing director and a female direct line manager. 
and we were driving the technology solution in London for a global product. And it was very much a, well, I wouldn't necessarily say that we, we, we recognized that we were all women um, and we didn't sort of make a big deal out of it. But I, in my later years, I realized how, um, how much that, how much that kind of meant that it broke down a few barriers in those early years of my career. Um, there's, there's one thing I wanted to say was it's very hard. So for somebody like yourself, Joe, who's gone into a male-dominated, you know, you're, you mentioned you're the first or the only female in the male-dominated environment, it's very difficult for those women as well to maintain their sense of um, self. Because I found as well that when you've got, um, if you're the first and you're going into a male, male team, and I've done it myself, where you want to kind of end up being one of the lads and suddenly you do and say things that you you aren't necessarily 100% aligned to so having another person in the office or even someone else in the team who is another female suddenly get suddenly means that you can be more yourself so it's really um it's it's, it's important to recognize the challenge of being a female in a male-dominated industry or male dominated environment um with that need to um fit in and not take that away if you have got a female um uh, a single female in a, in a male dominated environment who does happen to be you know going boozing with the boys and you know doing all the things that they kind of um, feel that they need to fit in um it's it's also important to recognise that's not a bad thing to do or a bad way to be. Um, and also they, they also might need a bit of respite. Um, when you turn up as a as a as another female, don't resent those people for trying to trying to fit in and build their own community around them. Um, but you know, or make it known to them as well that you're there to um, support them in their kind of, you know, if they do want to moan about their kids or they you know haven't found an and you're in that male-dominated group that you're the person to kind of to do that with and I, I found that recently I was in a I was in a group that was very much male-dominated and we were only there was only three females in the office and the three of us kind of did band together and I think it was a bit of respite when 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 somebody turned up in the office and it was like oh I just want to talk about you know just rubbish and the guys were talking about the football or you know I'm being very stereotypical but just trying to make that point as well um I'm not sure if I answered your question today, to be honest, but I went off a lot, sorry. Oh, no, no, you definitely did. I, I think it's, it's getting that balance, isn't it? Because we should always just stay true to ourselves. And if you don't drink or don't like pubs, you shouldn't go to the pub and drink just because you, you, the, the need to fit in is something I, I'm really actually passionate about not doing. Um, and I think I think it's getting that balance with in, in embracing and recognising what is culturally and um, and kind of, very much historically happening around you and why it is people do what they do and what's going on but also uh, you know recently I was talking to a group of accountants and five of them were women only one of them was male and the need to fit in was such a strong theme to our conversations um, but I very much think actually sadly that's that's what we've been doing for so long and that's why it's failing that's why we're not achieving equality because we're not valuing ourselves as, as who we are. And yes, we are women, but that's the secondary thing. The first thing is who we are and what our values are and what matters to us. And I think it's it's very important that we we come, we, we stick to that and we 
we show up as ourselves and not try to change ourselves just to fit in and that that very british view of trying to fit in um, wearing so obviously part of my work is in image wearing the right things you know wearing heels because everyone else is that sort of stuff literally boils my blood because that is what we shouldn't be doing we should be doing the opposite and staying true to ourselves but joe i know this is obviously a very strong part of your message your your coaching that you do um i guess i'm sure you've got plenty to say well i think um uh, do you know what i think some of this will come with age for everybody in fact as i was sitting i was reflecting um on what nish was saying in relation to my own background in medical research ethics and actually i had a very mixed group of both um men and women and actually at different times had champions um, of both genders and the th you're absolutely right that the thing that crippled me was the feeling the fear of not being enough um, and and that was compounded by not being qualified in the area so somebody had seen something in me a potential and given me a position and I was woefully underqualified for it but I but I had a spark and a lot of drive and a lot of resilience so that was really interesting because I think I really learned this um, this really important lesson about I got there, I got to the point that I was incredibly well qualified for my role by being persistent and staying with it and learning and asking questions and being uncomfortable. Um, but I did try desperately as a result of feeling unqualified to, to fit in to an academic model that absolutely did not work for me. And the whole journey after arriving at an early burnout at 30, which is why burnout such a um, important topic for me, because I got there at 30, which has to be some kind of record, um, has been since then the last 15 years is the precious understanding in my bones that we are unique and that our gift in our organization is the lens that we look through, that no other person can look through. We're the only one who can perceive the situation as it is. And the strength of a team is the bringing together of all the different lenses and creating something larger, creating something more impactful as a result of valuing the difference. Um, and so for me, it, it, it's this sort of poison pill that we all want to fit in so much. I understand it from an evolutionary biology perspective, um, but I really think it's the poison pill. So in a way, I think I, I'm in agreement and also fascinated because I don't anymore work corporately. Um, I'm fascinated how Grace, how Kim, you know, you, how Nish, how you find that balance because equally, I presume for getting to the very top, you need to have enough ability to be part of the tribe, the tribe of that organization. So I think that's my question. I'm going to ask it to Grace and then Kim, I'd love you to jump on as well. Um, yes, that's a, such a good question because the the fitting in, and I think this is one of the lessons that I learned, um, you know, or some of, one of, some of the mistakes that I made uh, early in my career, you know, the need to fit in and 
And, you know, when I became a management consultant, you know, it's, it's obviously a very driven, very aggressive, very alpha type of environment. And I thought, okay, I, I, I need to become like that too. Um, and then, and then you sort of go the other spectrum, you know, I, you know, I intrinsically, I'm, I'm an introvert, you know, I, I, I like peace and quiet and I'm, I'm, I was, I was quite shy growing up. So, so to have to push myself and become like that, you know, and it's the balance, as you said, Joe, um, you know, you need to have the right balance of drive, um, not exactly aggression, um, but you also need to be able to have the courage to be disliked and have the courage to be different and have those courageous conversations. And like Nish, you said, you know, to find other people that could be your own little tribe or sub-tribe, you know, so if you don't like drinking, but at least you can, you can go to the pub, but then you can hang out with or stand with the people who are not drinking. So you can have just a soda water or juice or something. Or, you know, everyone else is talking about sports. sports. And the good thing now today is that not all males are into the football. So there will always be, um, if you try if you try now, there will be some other people who want to give football a break and talk about something else. And I think it's, first of all, to have the courage to, to have to find those people and to, and to be strong enough to say, well, you know, I don't like this, but I can join you to some extent, but this is, I'm going to do it this other way. And it's the same thing with the clothing, you know, you know, obviously in, when you're in a professional services type of role, you have to dress like the clients did. I remember, you know, I, I had to dress differently, especially when I go to Paris and versus going to Germany or going to the Scandinavian countries, you know, I don't, I probably do not spend as much time thinking about my outfit. Um, but these are all subtle little things about fitting in, but yet still be different enough. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. And I think it's a constant balance of how to, how to get there, depending on the audience that you're in. Yeah, um, yeah, I can complete. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I completely agree. I think it's been, um, you know, over, over the years, and I spent most of my um, career in corporate life in financial services and software, both of which were quite male dominated. And you try to fit in and 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 you know all the things that you guys have talked about I, you know i recognize in myself that that drive to try and be um to just not stand out too much to just not be too different and then i remember uh, and probably it came with age um, but i remember going into to one company and suddenly realizing do you know what it's already tough doing this job it's already a big job without trying to be something that i'm not and I looked around at all these very professional, very well pulled together, very, um, very corporate people and thought, I am a bit like a hyperactive puppy dog. That is how I live my life. I do think there is a positive in everything. And therefore, I'm just going to be me and I'm going to bound in and be myself. And I'm going to go and chat to people in the canteen and, and be unafraid to just start a conversation. And for me, it was it was a game changer. I believe it is what got me from, um, you know, kind of head of roles into board level um, leaders, because actually I got noticed by people at the top who were like, 
you can talk to anybody. I said, we all can talk to anybody. It's not that hard. It's like, just go and say hi. I said, but if you talk to them, if you go and meet them where they are, they will come and tell you all the things where you get in your own way, either as a person, as a leader, or as an organisation, all the silly things that happen in an organisation that you people see every day and go, this is ridiculous. But they won't tell you because they don't think you're interested because you've not met them at their level and I think you know for me it's about being it's about being who you are it's about being human and I do remember one, one guy once saying to me I went to chat to him he was on the phone so he was like, I can't talk to you you're like really important I thought it was so ridiculous just a person and you know I've got a job to do and if I get my job wrong then yes we've got a problem I said but you've got a job to do and if you get your job wrong we've got a problem you know last time I checked you cut me I bleed I'm pretty certain if I cut you you'll bleed please don't tell HR I threatened to cut you which point he like laughed and he was like you're actually quite normal aren't you I was like yeah I'm just a person we're all just people and I think the more that we can understand that and and, and reach back and help others up and I think for me that's the piece that Sadly, for a lot of my um, career, people didn't do. I, I was blessed. I had so many people support me and champion me and, and mentor me, uh, men, mainly men, to be fair, because back then, sadly, women didn't do it. They didn't reach back and try and help other women up. And I think that's where we've, that's where we've got to do more. We've got to go out there and actually help people and say, do you know, what? there is a way past this. That inner imposter can be quietened. It doesn't have yeah. to take over your doesn't have to take over your life and you can be you and be successful and the two are not mutually exclusive and you don't have to lose yourself um to do that i think i had to lose myself to find out that i didn't um and i hope no i hope that therefore i can share that knowledge with people so that they don't have to lose themselves first to find themselves if that makes sense I totally, everything that you just said, Kim, I was like, I oh, completely, completely, completely agree with you because I spent so much wasted energy trying to work out how to be more uh, more of a leader, more of a, um, you know, more of a force in a meeting, more respected um, after feedback that's been given to me to be saying, you know, don't align yourself with these types of people, align yourself with these types of people, all these different things. And I've spent so much energy trying to work out, you know, post-meeting things. Did, did I come across as senior then, or was I too um, was I too quick to agree to those things? Um, should I have spoken to these people, et cetera, et cetera? But it's, it's at that point where you take a breath and you go, oh, do you know what? I can't be anything but myself. And people just have to get on board with that. And the biggest successes that I've had in companies is where they've just been able to jump on my bandwagon. And also the other thing, um, Joe, to answer more about the question in terms of how you've been able to, I've been able to navigate that in corporate is that recognising that when it's too much of a struggle in a company to be yourself, have the power to step away and say, you know what, I'm going to finish this programme, I'm going to do the best that I, that I can, but this, these people aren't for me. And it's recognising that often um, companies that have that inherent culture of inclusivity and championing people being their authentic selves, those are the kinds of companies that you want to work for because they're going to support you being yourself no matter what. The ones that are a little bit, you know, that, that don't have that have that alignment to your own values, you don't have to struggle in them. There will be other companies out there that will accept you for you. And that's something that I've um, 
I've kind of started, my value stream is I've started creating my own business and started thinking about how I'm going to take people onto that business essentially working um, under me. Um, it's something that I want to really kind of hold on to as one of my core values, absolutely. Well, I think, Nish, we're, we're virtually at time out, but what a brilliant way to finish our programme today because absolutely it is just about being yourself. And if, if the tribe around you, the corporate, the management, you feel like you are the the um, proverbial uh, square peg in a round hole, was it around the other way? <laughs> it's, it's Friday. Uh, but when you feel like you are a misfit, you're not. You're actually just in the wrong place and you will fit in where you are meant to and where you feel right and I think when there's so much of a backlash and you on a regular basis feeling like the odd one out you're just not you're just not in the right environment guys I've made so many quotes from what you've just been saying um, Grace have the courage to be disliked have the courage to be different it's so important isn't it that sometimes we do we will create um, kind of a problem we'll create difficulties but you have to be yourself. It's the only thing we can actually be, and it takes more energy to be different, to be false. Um, Kim, you've, you've raised some brilliant points about you were the proverbial, what did you say, bunny or something? Hyperactive <laughs> puppy dog. <laughs> but but no, I've known you quite a little while now. And you, you are just so full of joy, and you always see the, the goodness and why you should quash that and change that. So I think hopefully anyone watching today will be able to take that away from today that to get anywhere in life generally let alone in the corporate world it's important just to be yourself and if that doesn't feel right for where you are then change where you are and I know that's not that simple and I've got the CV three miles long but it actually it's so important that we keep looking for the place where we feel that people around us are value orientated like you so guys thank you so much we have just mentioned the I word, the imposter syndrome, um, which is what our next show will be about on the Friday, the 14th of August. I'm really thrilled to have our author, Dr. Alessandra Wolf. She has an incredible background in psychotherapy, psychology. She's going to be talking about imposter syndrome along with Tara Halliday, who is an imposter syndrome expert. So it's a very, very big topic. We'll probably need another couple of shows on that one. But um, we'd love to see you then. Thank you so much, Bessie, to Grace Ong for joining us. Thank you so much for your wisdom and your experience. Thank you for coming on. And to Nish Ramasinghe, a fellow author, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. <laughs> Great to see you. Thanks to my fellow hosts, Kim and Joe Sumner. As always, awesome to have a team. This is the Women Leading Show. Uh, we hope we've given you some inspiration to go where you want to in the corporate world. Um, please feedback, share this video, and uh, we'd love to hear from you too. So keep in touch. Thanks very much. Take care. Have a good Friday. Bye. Bye. Bye.